RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. I'm reading from a Herald story published on the 2nd of November. Tupuki Cycleway scrapped. It would have ruined Tupuki's main roads. Plans for a cycleway in Tupuki, they tell us, have been canned because of community opposition. The 4.2k cycleway would have run along Cameron Road and Boucher Avenue and linked four schools with the town centre. The decision to cancel the cycleway was made at a Western Bay of Plenty District Council projects and monitoring meeting Tuesday. So that would have been Tuesday, not just gone, but before, I would imagine. And uh, Tupuki resident, they've got a quote here from Adele Alexander, told the meeting people were scratching their heads about who would use the cycleway. We've talked a lot about cycleways in various parts of the country uh, quite a bit here at RCR. So why not the Bay of Plenty? Why not Tupuki? Andy Wickers is a Bay of Plenty district councillor, and he joins us to talk about what happened here. So the locals just weren't behind this? Uh, yeah, so probably before we get underway, i just got to do the good old disclaimer. Um, okay, yeah. So what we'll discuss really is my personal views, and uh, it doesn't represent the views of the council. That's fair enough. And that I may not have all the information, so there could be things that I say that have gaps and uh, happy to be open to be corrected. Yeah, of course. Yep, I completely understand. Thank you for that. Um, though, um, you know, there's free money going there, and it's kind of, you'd think, useful infrastructure. Uh, I'm suspending my normal <laughs> criticism of these things because I'm a suspicious guy when it comes to imposing, uh, you know, 15-minute cities and all of that sort of stuff. <laughs> um, but uh, but locals said no. And we had the quote there from the local who, who kind of, now what was that again, kind of suggested there that um, there was sort of, um, yeah, who would use the cycleway? Yeah, so I suppose it, um, to put this into the context of uh, Tupuki is that um, there has been, a, for 15-plus years, feedback from the community wanting cycle and walkway infrastructure uh, for the council to deliver. A local group has worked, been working on an overall plan which covers a larger area uh, that... Uh, have produced a plan that the council has accepted as a sort of a blueprint, I suppose you'd call it. Mm. The The part that we're talking about here is just three roads on that plan yep. that were focused around, it's a loop, the three roads form a loop with the four town schools so that right. it was focused on school children. Are kids still riding bikes to schools? It's been so long for me, I just don't know anymore. So... I've been board. I've been on the board of trustees for three of the four schools, uh, so I go to those schools regularly. Um, the bike sheds are pretty empty. Oh, really? So that's changed, is it? <laughs> yeah, they're not Big the time. place they used to be. They used to be chocker, mate, back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so there's less demand from from that part of the cycling world, obviously now. Yes. Um, but once again, into the big picture of what this was. Um, so central government through the, uh, was the climate emergency response fund, um, was funding projects to get people on bikes and, and so out of cars, right? Cause it's suggested in the name of the entity. 
That's correct. So this was a way of uh, if school kids got on their bikes, then the weather would get better. That's sort of okay. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how that works, but okay. Yeah, <laughs> right. So why would people be calling that for for that sort of infrastructure over all that time and then reject? this uh, plan and the money available, which wasn't local money, right? So no one had to dip into their pockets. Why Why was it rejected, do you think? It was rejected because, um, like in the overall plan, if all of the infrastructure was to go in in one hit, it would make a little bit more sense. But to just to do these on their own and within the constraints that were part of the uh, conditions of the funding, it um, it wasn't acceptable by the by the locals because these roads are quite busy. It would have involved narrowing them significantly and the loss of car parking um, outside residential, you know, they weren't that happy with that. But that's what the fund wants, right? They want to get cars off the road. They want to make it more difficult for drivers. They want to constrain that mode of transport. So, you know, the, the report that we had from the council staff was this was a, a way of, if you're having to deal with congestion into the future, the one way of doing it is to reduce the number of cars. So, yes, you are correct. Yeah, or increase congestion if the number of car users doesn't go down and you narrow everything down and slow everything down. That's an alternative indeed. Yeah. Gosh, people, locals are smart, aren't they? Um, okay, so was there any flexibility? Could you go back to this funding entity and say, hang on, this this configuration's not going to fly, but there there's you know definitely a demand for some of this infrastructure. Can we do it another way? Yes, so it was clear um, from the feedback that the this wasn't going to happen, uh, probably what are we talking, um, over a month ago now, it was clear that it was highly unlikely to proceed. So um, the council staff went back to NZTA and said their locals don't like it. Um, they, From feedback they did provide, these are alternatives that would be more acceptable. Could the project scope change? And the answer came back as no. What was the reasoning for that no, though? Because locals know best, surely. It didn't. This is probably I'm wading into a little bit of supposition here. So I'm guessing that part, the criteria also included uh, safety and a few other things that potentially didn't tick those boxes. When you say safety, what safety of kids riding to school? Yes, at, yes, so that um, kids, the supposition would be that kids aren't using their bikes because it's not safe to go on the road. <laughs> do you do you think that's the case? It never used to bother me and my mates back in the day. We used to do wheelies down the main road. Yeah, that's true. I did have a, a conversation with uh, one of the principals uh, because I know them well. And see, what were your views on on the kids bringing their bikes to school? And and so his view as the primary uh, primary school was that the culture is such that you know parents bring their kids to school, that they'll even stay parked and watch the kid cross the road 
into the school and not until they're in the classroom do they leave. So That's helicopter wife, parenting, isn't it? Isn't that called helicopter parenting? Something like that. Yeah. So My, his view was the, the likelihood of them letting them um, ride a bike was uh, near impossible. So there's there, there's a disconnect there somewhere between the policymakers and the funders and the local folk, and they're not willing to bend. Now, once again, this was an opportunity that our council, they saw the opportunity and thought, let's give it a crack. Yep. And so really appreciative of the council staff taking taking that opportunity and trying to get something for the community. Um, so it was just unfortunate that the... Uh, now we would we would take the money even if it came from a climate emergency response fund. Yeah. If we don't even know if there is a climate emergency, by the way, just to have to say, just saying that we're, we're told there is, but yeah, I don't we see would take the window. We would take the money from there and build something that the community wanted. Uh, I wouldn't have a problem with that, but this was um, it was quite it was rejected at about that seventy five percent of the feedback was against. Yep. So just remember, though, as I, as I reflect on it, that 25% of people did think it was a good idea. Yeah, but that's, you know, you have to do better than that, obviously. All right, and there's no way of using the money for anything else, I take it. No, as I say, once again, great council staff um, could see that this was going to fall over unless uh, something else happened, so they did have a try, so appreciated that. So how much money was, on, was in the offing? So... The the council submitted on 12 different proposals. This was all quite a high-level type thing, basically just dust lines on a map. Um, they were successful on our one, which a figure of 2.3, 2 2.4 million was put on it as just a, a rough crack at it. So that was what they applied for. When the, when the detailed design happened and this, other pedestrian safety, um, you know, pedestrian crossings associated with the schools, because this was around school children. Um, the the number came back at six point seven five million. What uh, is that over OTT? Do you think? Well, it's not my area of expertise in um, designing and pricing. Um, well, there's been plenty of criticism. I think Wayne Brown was saying the $12,200 per metre on Karanga Happy Road. There's the cycleway that's outside my window in Wellington. And millions and millions of bucks. Mm -hmm. And probably, you know, well, I'm looking at half a K. There's no one on it at the moment. It just seems like these things cost an arm and a leg for a few barriers and some paint on the road, just saying. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. So um, where does that leave someone like you as a councillor having to sort of deal with this issue? Has there been hostility? Is there? Does this generate hostility, this issue in the community? Well, the, the process did, um, and this is probably the only one critical part I would have of council, was that the messaging that they put out for consultation did come across – They put it as uh, in a way that was, hey, great news to Pookie, you've got a cycleway cycleways coming to your town. Um, do you want it on the left-hand side or the right-hand? Okay. And so, and fair enough, when the community read that messaging, they perceive it to be a done deal. Um, so that, that caused, obviously caused um, 
problems. Yeah. And it was very hard as an elected member in the community trying to uh, to counter that by saying, this is not a done deal. Um, it will come to us as a decision. So make sure you get your feedback in. So who would have been um, in charge of that messaging? No, I don't want. I don't want to go into that. It, we've mm. we've had that discussion internally, and um, it's been addressed. Because uh, the reason I asked that because uh, I can imagine that someone thinks, "Hey, this is going to look good. We're going to look good from this. Let's get it out there. You know, we're going to do this. Which side of the road do you want it on, folks? It's going to happen, right? <laughs> yeah. And then you get blowback, and wow, what happened there? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. So when the decision not to go ahead happened, it probably left people scratching their head a little bit in that, hey, we thought this was a done deal, but it was a unanimous vote against. Um, So I thought it would be a good opportunity to to communicate with the community, using using that as an example of um, better ways of engaging because so much goes on on that Facebook world where people make assumptions and make statements that aren't correct, that are very hard to, uh, to counter. And so unwind. Yeah. 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 So trying to say, to engage in a positive way, to go to encourage people to ask questions, um, you know, of elected members when things are out there, rather than just jumping to a conclusion and going down a particular track, make sure you do understand, um, what's happening and, your elected members, uh, that's their job to um, to communicate. So, I mean, it's a good way to communicate with people all together and, you know, it's kind of like a, you know, town square type of thing. So probably a better way of doing that would have been said, hey, we've got this opportunity. Here's kind of how the, the piece parts fit together um, and possibly ease into it rather than sort of like jump in the deep end of the pool like that. You're not saying don't use the modern communication methods. Obviously, you've just got to think out how, how to do it, right? Yes, yes. And it's, you know, there's there's two sides. There's the, the councillor side and the community side, and there's sort of an obligation on both to engage in, in a way that is positive and at least tries to under, understand what has been um, put forward. Are you picking up uh, a suspicion out there? Like I say, many of our listeners are quite suspicious of their local councils now, and uh, in some areas they're, they're kind of being strong-armed into doing yeah, well, cycleways and, and, and things like that and feel that they're not being listened to. And, and when they are given an opportunity to speak, it's only five minutes and people are flustered, can't get out their, their points of view, and, and, and people think it's sort of geared to sort of showing or making it look like you know, people are talking, but really there's a fait accompli. There's something that um, is immovable. It's going to happen no matter what. Are you picking that sort of feeling in the community up in Tupuki? I would say that having been in the, in the position for a year now, that I'm quite surprised at, you know, feedback that comes in, we'll call it through the official channel. So when council goes out to consult and asks for feedback, that we get we get to see every piece of feedback that's presented to us in a report. Um, and each piece of feedback is given a response. Yep. Okay. Now, if, obviously, if there's uh, 
feedback that sort of group together within a certain um, the same sort of feedback that they may be responded to in a group, but it is actually taken very seriously. The the thing you say about the five minutes, that's uh, the problem with that is that council has meetings that can't go on forever. No, I understand that, but yeah. um, it, truly, yeah. that's that's a hell of a constraint for anyone who's got a message. Yeah, but that's where your elected members have <laughs> are there to represent you. So don't wait for the meeting. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, and so my message is engage with your elected members. Uh, they were voted in by the community and the community saw that they were people that they wanted to represent them. Um, so get in touch. I lived in the Tauranga area between 82 and 86 and went through Tupuki many times. In fact, I saw Hello Sailor in the Tupuki Memorial Hall once there uh-huh. um, back in the uh, 80s. How's the town doing? Yeah, we're doing okay. Uh, we've got a very good uh, community spirit here. Uh, we've still got that sort of smaller town feel. The We are growing. Um, current population is just under 10,000, scheduled to grow to, I think, 13 and a half over the next few years. Um, one thing that is happening here is, which is a bit new, which is new for the council, is a spatial planning um, process that's just started, uh, which is basically going to the community and saying, you know, this is where we are, this is what we're planned to, what, what do you want to see beyond that for the 30 to 50 year type thing? So that's going to be very interesting process to work through. And are you finding with the expansion of Tauranga, it's way bigger now than it was when I was there, which was, I left just as the bridge was starting to be built over the harbour. Um, has that sort of creep um, also sort of uh, moved into Tupuki as well and sort of um, grown slightly the size of Tupuki? Yes, so the Tauranga growth has been along the coast, Papamoa extending um, out that way. Um, So um, I'm just trying to think what would the... So people, housing constraints in Tauranga would influence people to come to Tupuki. Yeah, and kiwi fruit's still big, obviously. It is still big. It's uh, it's uh, it's the biggest thing around our area. Yeah, if I remember rightly, back in the day, the wealthiest people around in, in that part of the country were kiwi fruit uh, people. So, yes, uh, they were, and then they weren't. Okay, <laughs> and then they were, and then they weren't. And no, it's like that, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah up and down. Mm-hmm. Is there anything more that we need to find out about um, the cycleway into Pukki before we end our chat? Anything you'd like to say? Any message from Tupuki for the rest of the world? Just that message about engaging with the elected members and yep. asking questions rather than just assuming. It's, uh, it's, that's what I've learned out of this and, and the message I want to keep uh, hammering on. That's a very good point. And, and do you enjoy the role, this particular role you're in? I enjoy the community engagement side of things and, and dealing with people and, uh, trying to resolve problems. Some of the policy stuff that we're having to deal with, uh, that's a steep learning curve. Yeah, I can imagine. Mm. Yeah, okay. Andy Wickers, uh, Western Bay of Plenty District Council. Thanks for coming on our radio station. It was great to chat with you. Thanks. Anytime, Paul. Thank you. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.